We have begun our uh, series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. And we've been looking at different, uh, different ideas, different sayings that, uh, that you and I are all very familiar with that a lot of folks think come from the Bible or at least are biblical ideas. And many of the, the ones that we're talking about in the series are not in the Bible at all. And some folks are kind of surprised by the fact that what we've always heard isn't there. And <clears throat> it's kind of been fun to, uh, to go through this together. We've got a couple more that we're going to look at together over the next week or two. But this morning, I have to give you fair warning. All right? This morning may not be one of your favorite messages in this series because I'm going to shoot down a very popular misunderstanding. So before I tell you what we're going to talk about, I want everybody to take a breath and tell your neighbor it's going to be okay. <laughs> very good. All right, are you ready? We don't become angels when we die. I'm sorry, I know. But we don't. That is a, that is a huge misunderstanding that, that usually we say it kind of flippantly. But while we say things like that kind of flippantly and almost humorously, many, many people actually do believe that. And so what we say oftentimes kind of secondhand, offhand, is based on a very, very common and popular belief that believers die and go to heaven and we get our halo and we get our wings and we get a little harp to play and we become angels. Let's look at it very carefully. This morning I want us to talk about um, that heaven, the, the, the statement or the idea, the thought, heaven gained another angel. You've heard that before. You've said that before. Somebody died, great Aunt Bessie died, and, and uh, we comfort one another by telling one another, well, well, you know, she's an angel now, she's in heaven, heaven gained another angel, and it does make us feel better, it's just not scriptural. I want us to look at, at statements like that and just a few others here in just a moment, and <clears throat> uh, this is, uh, we're going to look at three statements that are very similar along these lines. And the first statement is the same as the title, Heaven Gained Another Angel. If you have your copy of Scripture with you, look with me in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is a small letter uh, toward, the, uh, toward the right side of the Bible, just next to Philippians. If you look with me in Colossians chapter 1, we're going to begin at verse 15 says, and he, notice that in most translations it is, that word is capitalized as it should be because he, in this case, is talking about Jesus Christ, God the Son. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now don't misunderstand firstborn of all creation. He's not talking about firstborn chronologically. It's not that God the Father created Jesus and then created everything else. No, he's talking about firstborn in terms of 
importance of priority. Jesus is the firstborn in God's family. And he is above and over all of creation. You see that developed in the next couple of verses. Verse 16, for by him all things were created. Now notice that he's talking about God the Son, Jesus. Did you know that Jesus was actively involved in creation? Many of us are are very familiar with Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we correctly uh, uh, apply that or assume that is God the Father, and it was, but God the Son was actively involved in creation as well. In other texts, we see that God the Holy Spirit was actively involved in creation as well. In here, we we read that... um, For by him, Christ, all things were created. In the middle of 16 now, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things Hold together. In that uh, that text, we're reminded that Christ created all that exists, including the things or the beings in heaven and the things and the beings on the earth. The invisible and the visible. Now, the reason that text is so important to us this morning is it helps remind us that angels were created. They are part of the creation. The first three three words of the Bible are incredibly important. First four, four words. In the beginning, God. You see, even before he created, he was. In the beginning, God. He was there before the beginning, before anything. So angels are a part of the creation. There was God and no other. And then he spoke into existence the heavens and the earth and all that fill both of them. He spoke into existence angels. Now, the reason I'm stressing that so much is because it's important for us to to realize that angels were created... And then man was created. Two separate beings. We are different creatures. Angels were created to be angels. People were created to be people. Sometime before the creation of the world, God created the angels. Now, I don't know exactly how that timing worked out. Uh, Somewhere there, right in verse 1 probably, verse 2. Somewhere between the fact that God created the heavens and the earth, remember the earth was without form and void, sometime in there he created the angels. How do I know that? Well, in Job 38, it says that God laid the foundation of the earth and the angels rejoiced. So they were there to see it happen, but they were created beings themselves. In that verse 16, he stressed, he, he, he pointed out important differences that Christ created 
the things in the heaven and the things on earth. He created the invisible and the visible. I think it's important for us to see that that Paul took time to make that distinction because what he's saying to us is that Jesus Christ created the spiritual realm and the physical realm. What you can see and what you can't. He created then angels to be angels and people to be people. The word angel is is one that, uh, that... we took from Greek, angelos, we took that word and we just made it an English word. The word is angelos. And all we did was take off the os and make it angel. But the word means messenger. So when the Bible talks about angels, no author of the Bible pictures a creature in white robes and and a halo and wings and and floating on a cloud. No author in the Bible pictures that. They picture messengers. In addition to messengers, there seems to be a, a military hierarchy, a structure of angels. There is the archangel at the top. And then there are dominions and powers and authorities. There's there's a a, a hierarchy of angels. And what they do is whatever God tells them to do at the moment. In Psalm 103 at verse 20, Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. The angels are his messengers and they're ready to to move at a moment's notice to do whatever he tells them to do whenever he tells them to do it. They are his messengers, simply put. In Hebrews chapter 1, we we find some further help. It says, are they not, they are the angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who who will inherit salvation. You see, that's their their role. They are spiritual beings who are messengers from God sent to carry out God's work in His way and His time. So we as believers, we are joint heirs with Christ, which means that we inherit the kingdom. We get to go and be with Him in a place, according to John 14, prepared for us. We spend our eternity then with Him. Very different than the messengers who are constantly back and forth, heaven and earth, overall doing whatever God tells them to do, constantly moving as His messengers, as His army, if you will. Angels are spiritual beings. They only take a physical appearance when their assigned task requires it. We don't don't even have the same nature as them. We are physical beings who have a soul. They are spiritual beings. When we die, our soul leaves the body, as you know. And one of the ways we know that is the very familiar text from 2 Corinthians 5. It says, we're of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. We have very different natures. 
Angels are spiritual beings who on very rare occasion take on a physical form to, to, uh, to carry out a particular task. We, on the other hand, are physical beings. We, we are confined to the visible realm, to the physical realm. One of these days, our soul will separate itself from our bodies. But until that day, we are confined here. You know, sometimes uh, folks who, do the, who, who uh, get into hot air balloons, uh, sometimes they will tether the hot air balloon to the ground. So that, yeah, you can have a hot air balloon ride. It's going to go up only a certain length, and then that tether's going to hold on. It's not going to let it fly away. Because of that, that, that tether, it's a, it'd be like a long, hard, strong rope. Because of that rope, that balloon's not going to be able to soar. You and I are tethered to this world in our physical bodies. But one of these days, at the right time, that tether is going to be untied and our soul, our spirit is going to be able to soar. We're going to be able to separate ourselves from this physical realm and we will be at home with the Lord. So it's important to understand that we're created differently. We have different natures. We have different purposes. People don't become angels. A similar statement that we hear from time to time that that kind of, uh, I think, encourages this misunderstanding is, is when we say, because my loved one died, now I have a new guardian angel. Now, we do have guardian angels. Your loved one didn't become another guardian angel. Your loved one is still your loved one who's at home with the Lord. We do, however, have guardian angels. In Psalm 91 at verse 11, it says, He will give His angels charge, to concern, a charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Guardian angels. However, look at that very carefully and notice that it does not say that when you were born, you were assigned angel Fred or Tom, or Sue, and that angel guards you one-on-one -on -one by yourself your whole life. That's not what it says. There are guardian angels, but this week he may send five to take care of you. Next week you may need 20. I know of a family who grew up not far from here, had four kids. I think they probably had a hundred angels watching over them as those four boys grew up. Some of us just need more than others. We do have guardian angels, but, but nowhere in Scripture does it say that you get assigned your personal private guardian angel, and nowhere in Scripture does it say that your loved one now is your guardian angel. It's not there. It's not the way that works. Why? Because people are people and angels are angels. Angels guard us. We're created for that purpose. They're not our loved ones who have passed away. In a very similar way, another thing that we say from time to time 
that, that kind of continues to, to promote this misunderstanding. Every once in a while, you'll say that, that so-and-so is now watching over us. Now, let's be real careful. Because our loved one, our friend, has gone on, we, we sometimes get the idea that they've become this angelic being. And now they are watching over us, protecting us, a lot like that guardian angel idea. Now they're watching over us. It makes us feel more comfortable. It, makes us, it, it helps us keep a connection. But let me just get very real and very honest with you. I have friends and loved ones who have already died. I have people that I love very much who are there already. And I desperately, deeply hope that they never have to look back and see this life again. I don't want them watching over me. I don't want them to have to look back and see what they finally have been freed from. We don't want them to see our suffering. We don't want them to see the ways that we hurt each other. We don't want them to see the devastating effects of drugs and violence. We don't want them to see the fear and the pain we go through when hurricanes strike and tornadoes hit. We don't want them to be angelic beings who watch over us. Because we love them, we want more for them. And the Bible actually promises more for those folks. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, there is an incredibly powerful yet often overlooked phrase in which Paul says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? We walk by faith, not by sight. It means something very simple. It means that we believe in a Lord that we cannot see. We trust in a leader that we cannot watch. We walk by faith, not by sight, because we can't see him. But did you know that one of these days, all of that changes? One of these days, when that tether is broken and our soul is set free, we get to be face to face with Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, we're not walking by faith anymore. Now what do we walk by? Now we walk by sight. You see, Paul's statement here is pointing out that we're not there yet. Now we have to walk by faith. One of these days, we're going to walk by sight. We're going to see him face to face. Did you know that there's no faith in heaven? There's no faith in heaven. There's no trust. There's no believing. Why? Because we see it with our own eyes. We don't have to have faith. We are there. We're with Jesus. We get to see him. He gets to see us. And the Bible says that, that this, this kind of this foggy mirror that we look through now goes away and we get to see him as he is in his totality. We get to be who we really are in totality. Now we have to walk by faith. But one of these days we're going to walk by sight. 
Now, think of what that means for our friends, our loved ones who are there already. They're walking by sight, meaning they get to see Him, they get to communicate with Him, they are so focused on Him that it has changed their entire reality. If you and I could begin to imagine, if we could just begin to get one, one little inkling if, if, we could, if we could just begin to fathom the glory of what heaven must be like, the majesty of being in the presence of the Lord of lords and the King of kings and the creator of all that exists, if we could even just begin to understand the smallest bit of what heaven must be like, then there's no way we would want our loved ones to take their attention off of all of that to look at us. We must not be so selfish, selfish, so selfish as to claim that they now are going to spend the rest of our lives serving us as our guardian angels watching over us, paying attention to us, because, beloved, neither this life nor eternal life is really about you. I'm sorry. It's really about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we get there, we're finally going to get that. Until that day, we're going to keep on walking by faith. And we're going to celebrate that our friends and loved ones aren't up there for us. They're up there communicating with Him, seeing Him, being with Him, enjoying and experiencing the most glorious and awesome reality that, that ever could, have, could exist. Well, we put all this together, these common things that we've said and thought, we put it together with Scripture, and we discover that we don't become angels when we die. Angels and people are different creatures. We were created for different reasons. We have different purposes for our being. If we go back and look at Hebrews 1 again, we looked at it earlier, but look at it one more time because there's a part that I want to show you toward the end. Are they the angels? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service? That's who they are. Who are we, the believers? For the sake of those who will inherit salvation. And therein lies a major difference that we need to celebrate this morning. They are the ones who are sent out to render service. We are the ones who inherit salvation. You know, an angel cannot hear the gospel and experience salvation. That's in 1 Peter chapter 1. At verse 12, the last part there talks about those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long 
to look. You and I get to experience something that even the angels never get to see. And that is the glory of what happens when I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I, I once went out on my own all by myself in a big old scary, confusing, lost world, but now I'm a part of God's family and I have the Holy Spirit within me and I have purpose and meaning and direction in life. Angels never get to experience salvation. And that's a major difference that helps us remember we're created differently. We have different natures, different purposes. You can experience real, life-changing, eternity-changing salvation. The angels just long to look into it. They wish they could see it and experience it. Have you experienced that which even angels can't? Has the Lord Jesus Christ changed your life because you finally let go of being in charge? Have you trusted Him personally and let Him make you one of God's children? Have you ever done that? This morning we're going to give you an opportunity to do that very thing. In just a moment we're going to sing hymn 340. Probably don't even need the, the book because it's such a, a familiar chorus. But it simply says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your plans. Stop looking at the world around you. Turn your eyes to the one who can change life forever. And then go where angels can't even look at, can't even experience. Trust Him. Let Him guide you. Let Him be your Lord, your Savior. And walk out of this room a new person this morning.